Did I just lose Chris there? Oh, good Lord. It's one of those days, one of those days, one of those days, Chrissy Chris. Looks like your internet's coming in and out there. Um, but it's just... Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. Just your camera is a little fuzzy. But hey, it's going to be one of those days, it looks oh, like, bro. It's, it's Friday. Why is, looks why like, is this oh, a there Friday There you go. Thing? There you go. YouTube picking up. YouTube woke up. I don't know what the is hell YouTube, happened there. Is YouTube up? YouTube has been having problems, guys, uh, with their data. Just to give a, a news out there, definitely. Yeah, YouTube's up, guys. All right, so I'll show you guys here. Uh, YouTube is up. So definitely, guys, if you guys can do us a favor and hit that like button, hit the subscribe. Let's go to that share button. Hit the share. Share with everybody. We got Aero Farms coming on next, guys. Sorry about a little technical difficulties there. But let's go ahead. Let's get right into our headlines now that we got everybody here, Chris. And I see your camera looking better. So. All right, guys. Yeah, let's get to headlines today then. So as I just said, you know, no new deals today. We do have one rumor out there, but some notable headlines to, to nail down today. Before we look at that watch list and before our interview, so up first, we have SRNGU. This is Soaring Eagle, still trading as units. Uh, those units are going to split next week on Monday. So remember, this is the, the SPAC from uh, Jeff Sagansky and Harry Sloan, uh, rumored to be going uh, public with Ginkgo Bioworks in one of the largest SPAC deals. So you're going to be able to buy warrants and common shares on Monday. I do own um, units here, so I'm curious to see you know what kind of reaction we get on this next week. A couple of ratings out there. We have GIX um, benchmark in initiating with a buy rating and $14 price target. We have RSI, Rush Street Interactive, Jeffries out with a buy rating and $21 price target. Former SPAC EQOS, which is one we mentioned, you know, as a possible Coinbase IPO um, sympathy play. Uh, down yesterday, there's a report I'm seeing out there calling it a crypto zero, um, you know, similar to a short report out there. So definitely keep an eye out on EQOS. We have DKNG Giraffe Kings. Um, landing a big, big deal. So DraftKings, FanDuel, and Caesars Entertainment were all named as the official sports betting partners of the NFL. Um, so also those companies agree to use the official data feed of the NFL, which we know, of course, now belongs to Genius Sports. That's ticker DMYD. So you know, DraftKings, one of the best performing former SPACs. And, you know, it goes without saying that they're a market leader. They're a well-known brand. They're in a dominant position in a growth industry. They were, of course, our winner of the March SPACness tournament, too. So big shout out to our chat for nailing, you know, DraftKings there. Um, but also, you know, I, I, I have to highlight DMYD here with Genius Sports. So, you know, they're getting that exclusive NFL deal. And it comes at a time when you know sports betting is growing but also now the nfl is going to go hard into sports betting and integrate their media with it and three companies right here have already then signed up to be official data feeds for the nfl via genius sports we have fsr fisker 
which I do own shares of. Henrik Fisker last night on Twitter, uh, you know, sharing another milestone. So they passed the 15,000 reservation mark for the Fisker Ocean electric vehicle. GIK merging with Lightning E-Motors announced that they are partnering with Rev Group to produce electric ambulances. Uh, So keep an eye out on that one. NGA merging with Lion Electric, which I own shares of. Signed a deal with IKEA for electric trucks in Canada. So Lion Electric keeps adding more and more deals here, both in the U.S. and Canada. Keep an eye out on that one. And then IPOE, uh, David Einhorn last night calling out Chamath and Elon Musk for helping specifically criticize SoFi, which is going public here with IPOE, as helping you know, to make that move possible. So, you know, some bad blood in the in the tech world there, Einhorn going after Chamath and Elon Musk. Uh, and then some movers, um, we'll, we'll get to the watch list in a minute, but I'm seeing Clove, C-L-O-V, up 19% being mentioned as a short squeeze. Our, our deals yesterday, we had D-E-H ending the day up 1% on that deal with Vicarious Surgical and CHFW down slightly on their deal with uh, Surazen. Then our other big movers, we had QS down 12% on that short report, SPCE down 14% after Richard Branson sold a part of his ownership position and people sell off on that news. I do so own shares of SPCE. And then our loan rumor out there that is new is TVAC, this is Thayer Ventures Acquisition Corp being rumored by Bloomberg to bring a uh, luxury travel startup in Spirito public at a deal that could be worth more than $1 billion. So that's what I've got, Mitch. Again, not a, not a lot out there, no new deals, just that rumor, but a, a couple notable headlines. And I'm sure as we pull up that watch list, you know, we can dive into some of those names here. Yeah, Chris, uh, as you always do, doing some research here, guys. I wanted to uh, note one here, guys, note one here. Definitely going to be paying attention to see what's going to be going on here with the ride life. They're they're going to be going to uh, do the San uh, Felipe 200 here, so in a competition. So keep your eyes out to see what goes on with ride as we're seeing a lift today um, from ride. So you're, you're seeing – their vehicle here it's kind of interesting you know Let, let's see how they compete in a competition that has to do with endurance and uh reliability right and so that's what's going to be interesting i'm going to watch that that's going to be this weekend and that's with ride guys um so that's going to be interesting i don't know if you saw if you caught that chris yeah, I caught that. I heard it discussed on uh, pre-market prep this morning too. I I don't know if that's much of a, a mover for ride here. Um, you know, definitely a I, nice spotlight not, and some important. nice news. But uh, you know, I think they need to start fulfilling some of those orders. I mean, Ride was one of those companies uh, you know criticized a little for you know are these real orders? Uh, are they you know uh, obligations? And l- let's get that revenue going. Yeah, what I'd say is I don't know why so many people are not seeing this as a catalyst. You know, it, it, one of the things that I would say is that this this the reason why I see it a catalyst, right, is that because if what was 
what what came in the short report, right? It came that the vehicle didn't work, the transmission, that it was unreliable and that it blew up, right? Like it got on fire, right? And so one of the things that we want to see is can we get some reliability? Can can the car make it to the end? Because if the car makes it to the end, I'm telling you, it's going to be a, a positive driver for them in my eyes because at the end of the day, it just shows that the vehicle does work. And that was what was came in question with the short report. To me, what came in question wasn't that, you know, that, you know, this company can never create a vehicle or something like that. It was more in question, can they get it out in September? Does it work? Can, can do their prototypes work right now? This is a prototype, guys. Let's see how it does in this race. If I make it to the end, that's that's more than enough for me. I'll, I'll keep an eye on that to see if it makes it to the end. Mitch, isn't the flip side of that though? Is is this worth the risk for them? This is a you know a high endurance race, and what happens if they uh, don't make it to the finish line, or if they have problems? You know, is there going to be a sell-off here versus just you know demoing this truck on a on a flat course or on on a roadway? Uh, you know, instead. So to me, I yeah, just I don't know I ways. don't know if the if the risk is worth it here. But again, great PR, great newsworthy you know headlines will have Monday. Um, but the question is, will those headlines be positive or negative? Yep, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. I'm going to keep an eye on it. I think it's on ESPN this weekend. So if you guys want to take a look at that, you guys can take a look. Um, as you guys know, I've been talking about clove, clove, potential short squeeze, man, potential short squeeze. It, it looks like it's really starting to get moving here. Uh, just want to pull up that chart. Uh, as we, as we've seen, what do we need to see guys? A lot of the times I've talked about this is that we need what volume, right guys? Volume is what brings these stocks right back up. And, and as you're seeing it today, guys, let me show you guys, we saw this first pop, right? And that was with volume, right? That was 76 million shares, right? And it pulled back where? Right back to the support of that, right back in support. So if you get caught jumping and, and going for the, the big move, if you look for that pullback towards the support, you could have caught it again. And, and now you definitely have this support look underneath it, guys, at that 735. So that's kind of the line in the sand on the other way down. But I, I like this. And I'm going to keep an eye on Clove. I, I really think that, you know, the story can change here. And with that story change, I'm going to keep an eye out on IPOE and IPOF because maybe with that story coming back, some favor coming back to Chamath, maybe you see a release of a new company there. All right, Chris, let's go ahead and let's get into the the time that we like to go ahead and unlock some SPACs. I don't know if you want to add something there, maybe potentially uh, – Something, something move off of that clove. It, what do you think? Is, is David here? We should probably get to that interview, but we can circle back to to clove later on, definitely, and uh, see where that's trading uh, at the end of the show. So remind me, I, I do want to hit on clove a little. So, all right, guys, let me go ahead up and before we bring on clove, I want to go ahead and hit this up right here. Just let me make sure I got the audio correct. All right, let me put this full screen here, guys. Just uh, I'm going to play a little small clip here. I'll probably play about 20 seconds here just to give you guys a little bit of insight of who Aero Farms is here. So let's go ahead, put it on the screen here and mute myself. I'm David Rosenberg, co-founder and CEO for Aero Farms, the world leader in vertical farming. Aero Farms has been innovating in vertical farming at scale for 15 years. 
and elevating the agriculture industry, helping solve the global sustainability and food crisis. We are proud to have been recognized more than anyone else with over 50 awards for our industry leadership and technological innovations. AeroFarms is on a mission to grow the best plants possible for the betterment of humanity. Our vision is to build farms in cities all over the world to allow everyone to have access to fresh, great tasting, healthy food all year round. Our technological expertise in plant biology makes us great farmers. Our commitment to the planet makes us great stewards for future generations. We are a certified B Corporation with a transparent scorecard on both the environment and society. We are proud to be using business as a force for good and serve as an inspiration to the broader universe. We partner closely with our communities. We hire locally. We work with the local economic development groups like the New Jersey Reentry. Looks like that mute there. Uh, oh, the good old-fashioned <laughs> mute. I thought you could hear me through my screen, but no, you probably can't. Uh, let me mute there. Um, but there you go, guys. As you guys can see, a developing company here. So, Chris, let's go ahead and bring on our guest. Yeah, great video there. Great, you know, insight into some of those farms. We're going to dive into that today. So, su super excited. Joining us on SPACs Attack, another exclusive interview. On today's show, we have David Rosenberg. He's the co-founder and CEO of Aero Farms, uh, a vertical indoor farming company going public with Spring Valley Acquisition. That's ticker SV. Welcome to the show, David. Yeah, great to be with you, Chris. Thanks. All right, let's dive into some questions here. You know, so uh, obviously we focus on SPACs here on SPACs Attack. So the, the biggest question we like to start with is, you know, why choose a SPAC to bring your company public? And, and was there consideration for a traditional IPO instead? Yeah, a few points there. First, it's the right time for Aero Farms to go public. We are at a point where we've proven the unit economics, at least for leafy greens. And we've grown about 550 different varieties of plants. But for leafy greens, we've proven the unit economics and now we're, we're ready to scale. We've built a number of these farms and we're ready to take what we've learned and go forward. And the capital is really winded our sales. The, the capital markets is, are very efficient, especially in the U.S. The gap is on uh, debt, senior debt, and at, er, for earlier stage companies that need capital to really uh, build projects, infrastructure projects, equity is often the, uh, the, the capital facility to do so. So we do have a fully funded plan that builds 16 farms, leafy green farms in our pro forma, rolling in and substituting debt in a year, around year 23. And in terms of SPACs, SPACs allow us to really uh, tell the story more cohesively. So the obvious difference is one could use pro forma earnings and communicating that story versus an IPO is mostly backward related. So this, uh, as a tech company, is a uh, it allows us to tell that story. Uh, Spring Valley, uh, these are good guys. We actually had a um, a lot of suitors and cut off the process relatively early because we really liked these guys. They they had had success with a similar company, Reggie, in the past that is now a $10 billion or $8 billion valuation company, sorry. And they, they understand our stage. They understand the long-term goals of the company and how we're really building a platform to have broad applicability, broad impact. 
and it if and they're company builders so they're they're operators they're company builders so it all it all felt good jp morgan the bankers involved all really helped it everything came together very nicely and now as a public company we could hit the markets as we use our platform for for other uses so again our plan is fully funded to do what we communicate in our pro forma but there's other applicabilities like strawberries or even going into plants for pharmaceuticals. There's a lot of ways we could have impact. People don't realize the applicability of plants and how it impacts our daily lives. Awesome. Yeah, lots of great, you know, background information there on the company. Uh, you know, I definitely want to circle back to some of that later on in the questions with the addressable market size. But um, one of the things that stood out for me is you're a certified B corporation and, you know, talk about the, the public benefit so on a mission, you know, to, to really help the betterment of humanity, can you talk a little bit, you know, about that mission, um, you know, that you have and the company has here and what a B certification yeah. is all about? It's, it's really part of our DNA. We're very much focused on as we build a company, what's the impact for the environment? What's the impact for society? What's the impact for shareholders? Where we have strong shareholder impact, then that gives us the ability to have broader impact to scale much more impactfully. So a B Corp is a way to communicate one's uh, societal and environmental impact. There's just a handful of companies that are B Corps in the public markets. It, it has gotten us uh, good attention. I think it'll continue getting us good attention. It's not, we, we, we actually, it was an afterthought at first in 2017 when we got the B Corp, we did it and we didn't actually have to change anything we're doing at the company. It's just wired in our DNA. Let's say you need a score of, I forgot the numbers, like an 80 to get be a B Corp certification. Organically, we got a score of like 100. Uh, so we were already just walking the talk. And But it is a good roadmap to how we could be even better than we are. And we do realize that it's important to use our voice to communicate the societal and and environmental goals that a company should have and intertwine within their business model. So uh, we have a mantra of how do we do more with less? In agriculture, that means how do we grow a plant using less water, less electricity, zero pesticides, not organic pesticides, zero pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. So the human health, the environmental health are all crucial to what we do. People don't realize the pressures of the environment in ag that agriculture gives to the environment. The world's lost 30% of its farmland in the last 40 years. 70% of our freshwater goes to agriculture. 70% of our freshwater contamination comes from agriculture. If we want to solve water, we need to solve agriculture. You take all these macro stresses with the, in, the, the other uh, stresses like population growth. There's, there's a lot going on. And fortunately, there's a technology wind like in our case, enabled by LEDs to really meet these challenges. But to your point in B Corp, it's a way of communicating. We're all in on the environment, society, as well as shareholder impact. And it's a way to impact uh, and to, to spread that message. Awesome. So, you know, with the, the B Corp, you mentioned you got, you know, some attention there. Uh, you know, the other thing that I saw was this food tech 500 list. So, you know, Aero Farms has been on that list for several years in the top three. Can, can you walk us through a little bit of what this list is and, and why it's important, you know, for Aero Farms to be considered one of the top companies, you know, to fit that criteria? So I, we, we won so many awards, I kind of lose track of them. I do know this one. We actually, in the last two years, we were ranked number one and number two. So we were, and that's a stack ranking of all the uh, Food Tech 500. 
the um, I don't know much more than that, but what I think is appreciated and is this is a whole new industry in vertical farming. It's going to be huge. So just again, looking at those macro tensions, there's something called Heitz's law, which is analogous to Moore's law. Moore's law talks about computing speed. Heitz's law talks about the efficiency of a diode improving by 50% every three years and the cost going down. So if you think of how many LEDs are in your home now versus five years ago, that really speaks to the adoption rate of LEDs. And that's really, in my mind, I'm, I'm not from the agriculture world. I'm a kid from the Bronx, but here it, it really set off a light bulb, no pun intended, that as the cost structure of a diode goes down, this industry could be massive, coupled with, again, those environmental macro tensions. And here, we're the leader of a whole new industry that's going to be massive. As the cost goes down, more and more plants are going to be viable and grown in this sort of uh, area, in vertical farming, whether it's on the equator or in the North Pole, we could grow anywhere. And the just, I think we got this award because of the appreciation of, we need a new paradigm of how we're going to feed our planet. Companies like AeroFarm are leading the way of a whole new space that's going to be massively impactful. It, and again, today it's leafy greens. We're growing like we've grown 550 different varieties of plants. So next it's probably going to be berries. Our pro forma from an investment standpoint is all leafy greens. So everything outside of own farms, leafy greens is just upside for our shareholders, but there's a lot of ways we're going to have massive impact. Awesome. Yeah. You hit my next question, which was going to be talking about, you know, starting with leafy greens. Um, so let's dive into that dream greens brand. Um, you know, which you can find at major retailers. So I'm seeing Whole Foods, uh, you know, ShopRite and also Amazon. Can you talk a little bit about some of your retail partners and, and what that means for validation here and, you know, growing Aero Farms going forward? Yeah, a few points. Well, first, we, we set out to have a representative set of customers that really could be copy pasted anywhere in the country. So a mass market retailer like ShopRite, a specialty retailer like Whole Foods, e-commerce, Fresh Direct, Amazon Fresh, and food service, Baldor. Those are all leading names in their respective categories. And we have great sales. So what's also great is, and this is my biggest surprise, by the way, is we're winning. I used to think of it intellectually as a supply chain play. We are disintermediating the supply chain from farm to city, farm to fork. And, and that's key. In Leafy Green, 60%, 6-0 spoils once it comes off the farm. So 100 pounds come off the farm, only 40 pounds get consumed. So there's tremendous waste in the supply chain. And that's when I say I used to think of it as a supply chain play, disintermediating the supply chain. Now we're actually winning, and this is a surprise for me, on taste and texture. And this is the benefits of fully controlled agriculture. You think of like we all have eaten good fruits and vegetables, bad fruits and vegetables, and you ask the farmer why, and it was too sunny, too cold, too hot to dry, whatever it is, it's the environmental stresses. But here we could understand what is great for a plant, what makes it great, and how do we deliver great every day so the customer has great test, taste and textures. So we're winning off our taste and textures. So you'll see on this slide you brought up our net promoter score. That's essentially a common metric used in CPG, consumer packaged goods, of one's likelihood to recommend to your, your friend. And our, our net promoter score is about 50% better than the, than the industry. So people are really choosing us. Also, units per store per week are another key metric. And our units per store per week, how much of a product people are buying, are leading in our category. So people are buying us because of our taste and textures. What they don't know and, or they know probably know less of is they actually should buy us for human health. So there are all these pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. And if you think about what that is, those are 
chemicals meant to kill things, whether it's bugs or weeds or things of that nature. And most people incorrectly assume that when they buy organic, it means pesticide-free. Like 90% not the case. It's what it means is organic pesticides. But those are still things that aren't necessarily made for human the human digestive system. But at Aero Farms, you don't wash. There's no need to wash. It is clean food. There are no pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. So just eat it. And it's much healthier. And, and people don't stop and think when it says triple washed in a package, that means what it says. It's triple washed. Why? To get off the pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. When you actually go and look at what that wash means, the, after the first wash, it'll turn your stomach. It looks like milk. And that's the, the, the chemicals that are being washed off, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. After the second wash, it looks, looks less milky white. After the third wash, less milky white. But according to USDA, there's on average seven different residue pesticides on the products we're eating. So here, it's a big deal having not organic, but zero pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. Don't, people don't need to wash, they just eat it. So we're winning by, for taste and texture, but we're also adding all this other value of fresh, as well as pesticide-free, as well as as a B Corp, really serving our people, as well as our communities around us. Awesome. So, you know, we we mentioned some big retailers there. Part, part of the growth plan, you know, is getting into more retail locations. You know, as a as a publicly traded company, you know, there, there's going to be, you know, more, more pressure, I think, uh, you know, put on you to get into more retail locations. So what's the strategy here? Um, you know, to get into more retail locations and how will that be communicated uh, going forward on landing deals? So we're very proud. We're opening up two facilities in uh, this month, breaking ground. One is in Virginia, in Danville, Virginia. Another is in the United Arab Emirates. And that really speaks to the global breadth and impact. And and just as a side note, that aligns with our value proposition. There's not much arable land. There's not much water in that part of the world. And we grow a plant using a lot less water and no arable land. So uh, on a side note, I feel like I need to explain that. So plants, people think they need sun and soil. Not true. They need spectrum and they need nutrients and micronutrients. So we're able to deliver with specific spectrum and nutrients. But let me answer your question and then happy to get into uh, into that tech side. So our our customers, like I said, here in, in New Jersey are representative of customers anywhere in the world. So in Danville, as it happens, our current customers could take on the capacity of about 60% of that next farm. Um, but there are obviously new and different customers there in Danville. Our head of sales, we have a, a world-class leadership team. Our head of sales used to be one of the heads of sales at Earthbound Farms. And he's responsible building the relationships of the local retailers to take that product. Right now, the supply-demand imbalance is local food. Local food is the hottest trend in retailing. It's not a fad, it's a trend, and there's not enough supply. Most of the supply comes from California and Mexico, and it's shipped in. So it's very hard for, obviously, those farmers to compete locally because they're they're dealing with their, their local farmland. So we're filling that gap. And then additionally, we're able to add value in terms of these taste, these textures, we sell at the same price as the field farmer in the in the category of organic. So for people who buy our product, it's $3.99 for a clamshell. So they buy the clamshell, that's the same as other products. So we're so we're competing on taste and texture. It's We're not asking for people for behavioral change because it's the same price. And our customers are asking, our problem is we don't have enough supply. So now they're asking us for more supply. We're building that capacity 
Right now, the next one's in Danville, and we have a pipeline as part of this investment. We have a pipeline of 16 projects, and we're going to keep rolling them out. All right. I'm going to go ahead and jump in here. Now, one of the things that I wanted to focus on, and you've already been talking a lot about it, David, is the technology behind this kind of platform here. Um, and one of the things that I could focus on, and I'll go to three different areas first. Um, first things first is is the aeroponic technology and how the plant's roots are able to receive optimal nutrition versus being in the ground. Can you explain me a little bit about that, David? Yeah, happy to, Mitch. So the name AeroFarms comes from aeroponics. So roots want oxygen, leaves want carbon dioxide. So people might have heard of hydroponics. Hydroponics, the roots sit in water, and then one has to oxygenate the water. We get an extremely healthy oxygenation through misting nutrition to the root structure. And uh, I mentioned earlier, no soil. So the growth media, which is the so the, the replacement of soil, if you will, in the facility you just showed is actually a cloth growth media that, by the way, is reusable and sometimes made out of recycled materials, recycled plastic bottles. But And that, again, just speaks to the environmental piece. But that's just actually, while that was the cornerstone of our innovation, that's just a small piece today. And to show you the complexity just of nutrient delivery and, and growth media, we've probably used a hundred different ways of delivering nutrients to the root structure and probably 80 different methods of growth media. And depending on what's called the root physiology, there's different matches that, that, that are appropriate. So for example, we have a different system for berries, a different system for tomatoes, uh, for other crops that are in our, in our pipeline to commercialize. But right now in leafy greens, it's aeroponics. We see about a four day benefit using aeroponics and hydroponics. And just to quantify that further, when I started, we were growing a plant in 20 days. So we put a plant in one of those towers, 20 days later, we take it out. Today, that's 14 days. Just in the last year, we went from 16 days to 14 days. That means we went from about 23 crop turns a year to 26 crop turns a year. That means per capital expense, we have more output, more revenue, better IRRs. So there's tremendous innovation here. And that's just a, like if for your audience that aren't farmers, like a funny way of thinking about it is, like if think of a child that's eating differently, exercise differently, sleeping differently. One healthy habits than other child, unhealthy habits. One child is going to be bigger and stronger than the other child. Part of it is genetics, but part of it is the environmental stresses. So we are excellent, I would argue, the best in the world at understanding the environmental stresses and how to deliver those environmental stresses. And there are huge opportunities. So when I say we went from 16 days to 14 days, in the same towers, it's just knowing what to give the plant when and how. So as an example, to build further on a plant doesn't need sun, it needs spectrum. But furthermore, it needs certain spectrum at certain intensities, certain frequencies at different maturities of a plant. Just like you would give, you'd feed a baby something different than you'd feed an adult versus maybe an elderly person. In the same way, plants have different maturities. Uh, we joke around, we're the plant whispers. We really, I would argue, we understand plant biology at unprecedented le levels. And I would further argue that the world is relatively ignorant on what makes a plant grow. And we are at the cornerstone of unlocking this mystery of plant biology. And it's not surprising if you think of it intuitively about scientific experimentation and the process of experimentation. One, and my last company was a nanotech company. One needs to isolate a variable, test an assumption and keep going from there. That's almost impossible to do in the field or in a greenhouse because there are too many uncontrolled variables like the sun, the weather, temperature. You can't control that to have a scientific experiment. But here we can isolate and say, all right, let's try a slightly different spectrum. So here you'll see in that image, a little bit of blues, a little bit of reds. Most of that optimizes photosynthesis. 
spectrum that doesn't optimize photosynthesis or is too much, we strip away. So we like look at the chlorophyll level and understand how to optimize that both decreases our energy footprint, also helps with what's called attenuation of the diode. There's so much innovation of what you see right here all over the place. So you had another slide you showed, 282 mm -hmm. invention disclosures. Since we've been talking with the public markets in the last month, that's gone up to like 291 invention disclosures. We are an IP machine. So in an in industry that's going to be massive, how are we sticking flags in, thinking defensively and offensively? By the way, monetizing that IP, it's not in our pro forma. That too is also upside for us. Our luminaire, we develop our own luminaire. We have a high-end, a low-end luminaire. There are thousands of sensors here. We have a whole system of digitization, our MES, our SCADA system, our PLCs. That's basically the control. So how at a touch of a keystroke, we could control the environmental stresses. We're as much a data science company as anything else because we owe it to ourselves to understand what the plant wants and how to deliver it. Yeah, David, um, one of the things that I'd stress is that, you know, a lot of people think that the sun is perfect in growing these plants, but really LED can definitely step in there. And like you mentioned, the little add a little blue, a little purple, the mix of the spectrum is what really gets a little bit even more perfect than even our sun above us. Right, David? Yeah, my co-founder wrote a, a white paper on why the sun is not free. And if you think of... Um, like the term, the greenhouse effect, referring to global warming, how did it get its name? It's because greenhouses get really warm. And just so you could visualize that, let's say in our understanding, a plant wants 70 degree temperature between plus or minus two degrees. And if like a greenhouse gets to be 100 degrees, then like a large part of the year, they're not really getting what they want. So here, again, at a touch of a keystroke, we could deliver the, the environmental stresses that that plant wants to be at its best. And that's what we're striving for. On the spectrum side, what's pretty cool is you could actually change nutrient density. So you think of like your mom saying, hey, you look pale, go stand out in the sun, get some vitamin D. In the same way, we could give bursts of spectrum to influence the nutrient density. We have a burst of, for example, UVB, the plant gets stressed and all of a sudden it creates high antioxidants. And then you have high, so you, people that as customer, they like getting, hey, let's get fortified vitamin D or antioxidants, things of that nature. That's part of our future. Yep. I, I would jump into here the precision control. And one of the things that I notice about plants a lot of the times when grown indoors is how we can add, let's say, carbon dioxide and control those levels to try to help the plant out. Can you explain a little bit more about that, David? Yeah. I mean, car plants are carbon based. So there's an element of like carbon sequestration here. We do odd supplemental CO2 to the plants. And that's another way of like, how do we get a plant to grow better, grow faster? And what does it want to essentially breathe or absorb? And, and that's like one of the many tools in our tool chest. It, and back to the comment of the world, like you can't make those adjustments in the field. It's very hard in the greenhouse. There's a lot of ventilation that, that's, that works here. Working three-dimensionally when we put CO2 in, it really, like those, those levels, there are 12 to 14 levels of growing where we could really optimize that. We have, in the fully controlled environment, we have 26 harvests a year. Like I said, in the field, that's about three. So it's night and day. We actually call those 26 learnings, 26 learnings, not just growth cycles, because every time we grow, we learn. And then there's a neural network effect where when we learn, we become better farmers, better IRRs, build another farm that gets us more data. So how do we all attach these farms to our neural network? That's why we've put a lot of money and resources into the digitization, both to digitally control a farm and to take information from a farm separated into its various use cases. 
And just here, it's uh, helpful to go into some of the partnerships. So partnering with Dell Technologies and creating our infrastructure. So we partner with a lot of people, big companies, small companies. I'll share we partner with um, like Bell Labs on our machine learning system, um, machine learning and machine imaging system. So we had a problem of how do we image every plant every day? Uh, and it, it was really a problem that was hard, harder beyond the capabilities of our company to eloquently solve. So partnering with Bell Labs and bringing that to fruition, helping us create a system where 18 engineers work with us to create an, a system where we could image every plant every day, rolling this into our next farm. Awesome. I want to jump into uh, the total addressable market before we get into some uh, financial projections. So, you know, I'm I'm seeing you know a, a 1.9 trillion dollar figure. Um, we've got a couple slides here too. You know, talking about new product categories um, and those partnerships that you just mentioned. Can can you just talk a little bit about you know that that large market opportunity that a company like Arrow Farms has here? Yeah, there are two parts here. So um, I'll talk to this slide, but just quickly, there's the produce market, which is over a trillion dollar market. We're focused on leafy greens, which is, I think, a $78 billion market. Uh, and that's that's our our beachhead, if you will. But when we talk about Aero Farms, it's really, it, we're building a platform. So a platform to us, it's the, the mechanical side, frames, pumps, lights, fans, all that. And then it, it's coupled with the biological side, so understanding biology, how to deliver what a, what a plant wants. And then it's the environmental side, it's the operational side. We have lean manufacturing, total process improvement embedded in what we do. And it's the digitization as well, as well as the genetics. Like that's nature versus nurture. The nature is half of it. How do we get the best genetics for our system? So all of that's a platform and building that, it's not just about leafy greens. So that's, that's our beachhead but we have much broader applicability. So here, this is the uh, $78 billion leafy green slide. The, um, and by the way, leafy greens is growing at 7% a year and uh, local is also growing. 58% uh, of shoppers prefer local, 93% of shoppers said if they buy had local available, they'd buy it. But back to the earlier other slide you were on, the broad applicability, so we're getting into berries and we've grown like the best tasting berries I, you've probably ever had. And if, if you're local, welcome you to come visit us in, in Newark It'll at our headquarters. We have four buildings in Newark, a prototyping facility, an R&D facility, our, our headquarters, and also a commercial facility. We actually just built a fifth building. But there's a tremendous amount of innovation. Here, the next column is pharmaceutical side. So people don't realize pharmaceuticals, nutraceuticals, cosmeceuticals, a lot of what we interact with every day are plant-based. Here, as an example, we're growing a plant that produces a protein. That protein is used as... Uh, uh, therapeutic in a clinical trials with the NIH for COVID to, so to treat highly symptomatic people of COVID-19. And um, additionally, using uh, plants for new genetics. So if you've heard of CRISPR-Cas9, it's the Nobel Prize in Science for 2020 was CRISPR-Cas9. It's a genetic editing tool. We co-developed the first in the world CRISPR-Cas9 product. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a plant. Um, and, and we are doing things like we're leading consortiums. We're other genetics players. We're not a genetics company. We have geneticists on our team, but other genetics companies, they work on our platform to create innovation in optimizing new seeds. And, and there's the opportunity of like, we're creating, creating all this technology. Possibly it has applicability in the industry, in the ag industry, and we might sell some or license some of it off. 
But but all of that, by the way, is not in our pro forma. Our pro forma is leafy greens. We're focused on building leafy green farms, selling leafy greens. This is all upside for shareholders. You know, that that leads us into some of these financial projections. So, you know, I've I've heard you now say both the the IP and then also some of these other areas not being in the the pro forma. So, you, you know, I was going to ask, you know, how do you get to some of these revenue projections and make sure you hit them? But, you know, I'm inclined to say that maybe we're uh, erring on the side of caution and, uh, you know, with with some of these estimates, can can you just walk us through, you know, a, a target of a billion dollars in revenue by 2025 and profitability in 2023? What what are the key points to to get to those uh, key figures there? So that's all building leafy green farms. So here, the the guidance was that we've got from our bankers like J.P. Morgan, Cowan Wells was show what you could hit. And and furthermore, we understand like some of the criticism of SPACs or people get overly aggressive in their pro forma. So the other items I mentioned, they're more episodic. It's hard to predict when they're going to hit. And I mean, even though all of those, their activities going now that will bring in revenue, but it's that have that do or will bring in revenue, but it's too unpredictable. So with the public markets, we want to be predictable. What we're showing is what we have high confidence and is predictable and what we control. So leafy greens, we know the unit economics of leafy greens. We know the customer base. We know our product sells, all these things. So we're just showing leafy greens. We're telling the markets, we're doing all these other things, but we're not going to put it on our pro forma. When it happens, it happens, but we're not going to prom- make any promises there. We're making promises on leafy greens and how we're going to hit leafy greens. And uh, here we're building 16 farms. We have a fully funded plan. We're bringing in debt in 2023, but people are getting our, our enterprise value of 800 million. It's um, people are getting our last raise. We've the company's raised about 200 million to date. We have uh, close to 80 million on our balance sheet in cash heading into this transaction. Uh, so the company's well funded. And here, we're, we're like our last valuation a couple of years ago was 500 million. So we believe it's a modest step up from where. Are, are like a, it's really a private company valuation as a public company. And it, right now we have the resources to go and execute on leafy greens. So most of the company's focused on leafy greens. I'm going to be with the governor of Virginia in a couple of weeks on, on the uh, groundbreaking of this new facility and keep going from there, building the pipeline of other leafy green farms. Awesome. So, you know, in that original uh, SPAC deal announcement, it looked like second quarter to to close this deal. I I know you can't go into specifics, but are we still, you know, on track for this deal to be closed in the second quarter? Uh, It's probably going to be, I understand, like mid-July. So just after. Okay, perfect. And then if you don't mind, David, we do have some questions uh, from our chat today we want to get to. So, um, one here from, from Siggy is talking, you know, what other companies are in vertical farming, um, as far as competition goes? Yeah. So there's a bunch people read about arrow farms. They get inspired. I think they think, Hey, I could grow a potted plant. I could be a vertical farmer. Uh, I think there's, it's not necessarily an industry where there's a networking effect where there's one winner and everyone else is a loser. I think we could have several winners. I do think there are going to be a lot of losers. People, the devil's in the details at the end of, end of the day. We need to be competitive with the field farmers, with greenhouse farmers. And it's uh, it takes a lot of things to get a plant growing well at excellent yields and excellent quality. 
and also all the other ancillary things that need to happen to not just be a grower, but be a farmer, have a business. And uh, I think a lot of people don't appreciate that and don't appreciate scale. So we've, for example, we've been growing blue um, berries. We had a, a public announcement uh, with a partnership with Hortifruit, which is the 800 pound gorilla in, in blueberries, but we've also been growing strawberries for a number of years. And here we're not ready for commercialization on paper and in small farms, the size of like, we have uh, several chambers growing blue strawberries 20 by 20 by 20, but scaling it up, there are often unintuitive problems to scale that I think the people that just haven't built at scale don't realize. So we actually, the farm that was shown before, uh, that's the largest vertical farm in the world as, as far as we're aware. And we use it as much as a pilot facility as well as a commercial facility. So when we test something out, we're able to bring that innovation at pilot scale. I mean, I'm sorry, at commercial scale and see how it scales. Because the, the again, that scaling issues are unintuitive. And I see competitors thinking, oh, I have a small farm, therefore I could build a big farm. I think a lot of people are gonna be building big, unsuccessful farms in different places and, and have the pain. That's where my comment is. I think there's gonna be a lot of losers, but there are ultimately gonna be winner a bunch of winners this industry is going to be too huge the macro tensions are too big the uh, the technology advancements are too strong led by lights but other ways digitization and it's going to be a, a huge industry all right guys i'm going to jump right back in here and then we'll go from one more from the chat but what i want to ask about is of course future revenue and you know one of the things that we've been really kind of focusing more on SPACs is the revenues and how it kind of we we're looking at this change in the stock market more into value. And so that's why I'm going to bring up these numbers here. As you see, comparing to App Harvest 4.6 compared to uh, 2025 of 2.6 and even lower in, in 2026, a so 1.5. So definitely evaluation wise, why do you guys compare to your uh, are looking better than your competitors here? Um, what would you say about that, David? Yeah. And, and plus, I'd say like, um, I mean, we're we're a technology company. Other players like App Harvest, which we're often compared to, they're an integrator. They're a greenhouse grower. We're a vertical farmer, so it's different. The macro issues of how do we produce food more locally? I mean, they're focused on Kentucky, but more locally than versus Mexico or California are relevant for both of us. And the stresses on the environment are relevant for both of us. We're both B Corps, and we both have strong positions for the environment as well as for society. The um, we're, we're very much creating IP. Like I said, two, now it's like 290 some odd invention disclosures. And um, beyond just executing, we're also a technology company. Here, I, I think it's, I'm, I'm obviously biased, but I think there's a good deal for the shareholders. And this is where it's um, our, our bankers were suggesting that we come out at uh, to make it attractive for investors. So I think it's a good deal. Again, I'm obviously biased, but I think people are not only getting the execution side, they're getting an established player that already has great relations with the customer, already great sales. Like I said, leading net uh, promoter score, uh, leading units per store per week, but also a lot of technology and broad ap applicability of that technology. Awesome. And then one more from the chat here. Um, you know, have to ask, we have a question from Logan here, you know, uh, do they plan on getting into the cannabis industry? I'm not sure, David, if you can go into specifics, but thoughts on cannabis or is that a, a wait and see or a, a definite no here? 
what I could say is philosophically, I'm um, for legalization. Unless it does something hurts someone, like constitutionally, I think people should have freedoms and rights to do things. So I am. I think it should be legal. I was a co-chair of Governor Murphy's uh, Ag Committee when he came into office. That's the New Jersey governor, and this was one of his most important um, priorities. And and now it's legal in New Jersey. So uh, I'm for that. I, Aero Farms certainly will not be a dispensary, but our technology, a lot of what's in the cannabis industry, in my opinion, it's really scaled up mom and pop technology. And there's a lot of sophistication that could go a long way. And I think our systems, we've just, we have on the engineering side, we have mechanical, structural, lighting, electrical, PLC, process, industrial design. On the plant side, we have plant biologists, physiologists, pathologists, molecular biologists, microbiologists. We are, like we have, like a ton of brilliant people at the company working to solve really important problems. And those problems are relevant in cannabis like they are in kale, arugula, watercress. So I think there's a big value we could add to the industry. Uh, no comments now of where we're gonna play or if we're gonna play, but um, um, philosoph it's not a philosophical issue. It's more of a focus and when's the right time for us and where we should add value. Yeah, it's gonna be something that I'll definitely focus on. Just uh, one of the things like you mentioned, plenty of times no pesticides in that industry that could really take off just even that itself yeah. so definitely appreciate you bring that up david and i also appreciate you at least giving us a little bit about your opinion because at the end of the day we want to know a little bit more about you david and i really appreciate how you took today's interview going into a lot of the technology side giving our viewers a lot of information so i appreciate that guys hit the thumbs up yeah right, and thank I, you. I, I, I got a shout out. We even have a comment here from, from WebCoin talking about maybe uh, Aero Farms can grow on Mars and in space someday. So, you know, exciting times for, for vertical farming. We, we want to thank you, David, for, for coming on the show. So again, guys, David Rosenberg, the co-founder and CEO of Aero Farms, company is going public with Spring Valley Acquisition. That's ticker SV. Thank you, David, so much for your time today. Yeah, pleasure, guys. Be well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As you guys heard it there, guys, David, David coming through. I, I honestly was really impressed by the way that he approaches the answers. Um, one of the things that I always like to know is, does my CEO know the product, know what's underneath him, know the technology, know how much his engineers are working on the technology. And as you guys can see from his answers, those were not just yes and no's, very detailed. So I appreciated that. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, you know, Mitch, I actually wrote down some some notes here. Uh, and, you know, what stuck out to me, right, we keep talking about revenue, um, SPACs, you know, forward-looking uh, financial projections, you, you know, and it's been it's been heavily criticized, right? These companies projecting all the way out to, to 2025 or, you know, some companies 2030. Um, you heard David say it, though, right? The, those pro forma estimates don't include several things. So to me, they guided conservatively, whereas some of these other SPACs may have guided, you know, with their, their top numbers they could possibly hit. And, and those are the ones that have gotten hit, right? Because they have to guide lower um, later on. So to me, I wrote down the, the intellectual property. So you asked him about patents and, and that IP, Mitch, and he said that's not in their revenue projections, right? They could license that out later down the road. And then also those other areas. So like pharmaceutical, uh, you know, is not in their projections. You heard him even talk about helping with, with COVID-19. Um, 
And then that CRISPR technology, right? We saw some of these cannabis companies that started getting into pharmaceutical. It, it changed their valuations tremendously, right? Because it was a whole nother area of revenue. Aerofarms doesn't have that in their, in their projections. Like this is super conservative to me then. And then Mitch, the other thing I wrote down at the very top of the show, you know, he said they had multiple suitors. They ended the SPAC process early but yet we still get that $800 million valuation. This is a company that could have been greedy probably and, and could have gotten a huge valuation, but they didn't, right? Th this is the type of company I, I, I want to get in because I think the valuation in here is fair and I think the guidance is conservative. I mean, what do you think, Mitch? You heard it straight from David's mouth. Hey, I, I was paying attention. You know, one of the things is as you guys, you guys hit me up in the chat and uh, – Light spectrum, guys. You guys heard him talking about. I'm telling you, there's one thing that I've noticed is that where we're going, if we're really moving into, let's say, global warming and we have to worry about kind of changes in climate, changes in, in, in environment, growth is going to be very important on how we continue to sustain our lives that we do on an everyday basis, right? And so that's one thing that I'm definitely going to be watching is how can we keep this going and not worry about, like you mentioned, pesticides, so many cancers that come from these. I, I definitely don't want my foods with pesticides, even if they're washed or not. So uh, I'm definitely going to be looking out for these in my neighborhood supermarket. So I, I don't know if you've seen these before, Chris, but definitely it, it's something to, to think about because like you mentioned, just because something's washed doesn't mean that there's no pesticides on there. So yeah, and I, I liked that whole conversation about, right, what, what does organic mean, right? Like, I don't know. I guess I wasn't, you know, as aware either in the fact that there's organic pesticides and, and you have a company like Aero Farms here, you know, zero pesticides. Uh, you know, I think that's an area we're moving in, right? And, and they're already in, you know, Whole Foods on Amazon and in some of these other stores and they're, they're building more farms, they're going to be able to keep expanding. So th this is a company I think you're going to see their products in, in lots of stores. And, you know, again, I, I love the the conversation on, you know, being conservative here because that, that's a big plus for me. All right, guys, I'm going to pull up the chart here. This is SV here, guys. So just want to show you guys this is down underneath $10. One thing I definitely point out, guys, is this volume bar that it came off the 980s. Somebody, somebody. I don't know who it is, but somebody got a, a pretty good share size there. So I, I'm not sure what happened exactly at that moment. I'd love to take a look maybe at a 15 minute, see what we saw on the chart, see where the spike comes from. Um, but definitely it's going to be something to keep an eye out. Uh, lots of volume that came in there. So I'm not sure who loaded up the boat there, but definitely looking like somebody jumped in there big. I'm going to keep an eye on this one. If it gets through that $10 level and then we get back through that wick, that wick was up there to 1025. So pay attention to that 1025 level, guys. When we get through that 1025 level, if we could see millions of shares traded again, because this stock averagely trades around, let's say 200 to about 500,000 shares. So when you see that over that million mark, 
that's what I need to see to see a continuation, to see if maybe this was just a big buyer that stepped in there on the March 26th and gets this stock moving. But definitely, like we've been mentioning and I've been focusing on, is the reoccurring revenues, where the revenue is coming from, evaluations comparing. So that's why I went into the benchmarking. A lot of people are getting to this point where in specs, what you need to be looking at is the revenues and how the value matches up to other companies. To me, as you guys can see from the multiples, the, the valuation is definitely there. And at this price, I like it. I like it. You know, you're going off these supports uh, back in December. And, and now, as long as it can kind of hold this 980 on the downside, hopefully this was a big buyer stepping up there in the 20, on the 26th of March. And now if we can get back above 1020s, this chart would definitely be looking good. Yeah, and Mitch, pull up uh, APPH, right? So App Harvest, yeah. you, you know, that one traded around in the 20s, I think, when the deal went through. And, and then we saw shares go up in the 40s. And then now we're around 16, right? So, you know, it, it, it had some movement, you know, post-deal. Um, and, and to me, the question with SV is, you know, will we see a similar move? Is this one going to run up? into that vote and then will it get some momentum you know coming out i did see you know app harvest had a couple interviews right they were on obviously our show but before that they were on cnbc um you know the the day i think that that went public they also got a mention on one of the morning shows showing off that technology so you know you know if a company like aerofarms can get out there and you know get some of these videos with their technology really out so people can see it you know, I think the the competitor here, I think they they beat them on several fronts. And I think maybe, you know, investors who like the story in APPH uh, may want to take a look at SV here at these levels. So, you know, that's what I would say there on uh, on AeroFarms. Agreed, agreed. I definitely, uh, I have this on mute here playing there, guys, but their technology definitely seems advanced. I think one of the things that I would love to see from this company, and I'll put the, t the right ticker up here, but I would love to see some more kind of videos coming out, some more social, getting it out there, getting the word out there, exactly what their technology holds. Because, you know, I, I did some research and I found it, but I had to do a little bit more deep dive. And I think, you know, that's definitely one thing I'll, I'll definitely give some feedback to David. I would love to see more of their technology out there. Uh, a really great YouTube channel, because at the end of the day, there's a lot of the things that I think I could see in here, how it can change let's say even farmers lives because you know this is definitely going to change their life going into a new industry here so i would love to see some more of these videos because i learned a lot even just from this video that i found on youtube um, i found it through their website guys if you guys want in the description below you guys will find that website where you guys can learn a lot more of their technology and check out their investor presentation Mitch, you want to pull up CLOV just real quick? Uh, let's take a look at that. And, and and the thing I'll say, guys, is, you know, yeah, this is a short squeeze. Be be careful, right? Nothing's changed. There's no news out. And, and you know, when this company had a short report out about them, it, it took them over a day to respond, um, you know, and, and Clover Health, where, I don't know where you are, but we, we tried to get you to come on the show. We got turned down. We've had lots of CEOs on here. We'd love to have you on. We'd love to hear more about the story. But to me, some of the same people talking about the short squeeze and mentioning Clove today on Twitter are, are the same people that told everyone to buy this in the 14 the $15 range. So be careful. There's still bag holders out there. Don't, don't get caught. I don't know if this one sees 10. 
uh, today. If it does, you know, the, the big move is going to be today, maybe tomorrow. But I think this story dies down. And, and, and this is one, again, that's, you know, traded all the way down into the sevens. Don't, don't get caught chasing this just on a short squeeze today. All right. All right, guys. Looking, looking like we'll have... The Power Hour is coming on next, guys, so definitely stick around for the Power Hour. But like Chris being mentioned here, this one really ripped. The big, the biggest thing, though, that Chris, is that I, I think this has nothing to do with the company itself. Like like being mentioned, it's probably a short squeeze here, uh, something that you can follow on. Uh, that's what I'm going to be looking at to see how much of a volume we could pile in because look at the volume and look how it's matching. $76 million on that pop on the 8th, and now look, $46 million. Um, that's what you want to see. You want to see above that 28 million. That's what I talked about last time when we pulled back right here. And so I said, can we get some share volume higher than that 28 million shares traded on the ninth and get into, let's say 40, half of this bar, uh, this was 76 million. Now we're trading about 47 million. So definitely, definitely the volume is continuating. And the biggest price point to me now is going to be $9 because it gets through a big resistance there. Next stop is 10. At that $10 level, you might run into overhead supply from people selling on this breakdown of the move through 10. So just be careful because I think you will run into some resistance near that 10. If, you, if you're making some good you know, profits, a lot of the times I say uh, determine what your reward target really is. And that's so important when you're trading, guys, is know your reward, know you're out and have a complete trading plan for every trade. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview that we just did, guys. So if you guys can do me a favor, hit the like button over my shoulder. You guys see the video playing. We're trying to bring some new things. So if you guys can do us a favor, definitely hit that share button and let us know how we've been doing lately in the comments below. Um, one thing I want to do before we get on out of here, I want to play a new video that we got. Um, guys, if you, if you haven't heard, we got a Clips channel, so definitely check that out. That Clips channel will get you to our SPACs attack list. Our SPACs attack list will actually be just us. Like you have a playlist just for us, our Clips, get it nice and quick. And one of the things that Chris and I have been doing is definitely getting that information to you in a faster way. So check out those Clips. Um, Brohan, if you, you're in the back there and you can hear me, if you could do me a favor, throw up the link through the clips channel in the comments. I'm going to go ahead up and play a new in, intro kind of subscribe video that we have now. And, and if you guys can do us a favor, if you guys agree with these guys, hit the like and subscribe. Anything you want to leave off with, Chris? No, that's it. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for Power Hour coming up next. I tell all my CEOs, this is a very, very, very important platform. And look, all the other platforms are important too, but you're up there now. You're way up there. Best investments you can do in your future is actually go and, and, and re-educate yourself on, on credible sites, incredible resources like, uh, like Benzinga. You guys have been killing it. The comments section on this show is remarkable. Like, like the quality of the combo and just big shout out to you and your community. So I love about you guys, you know, you just had the, all your callers in right then. And it's all about the community here at Benzinga.